Within our world are creatures we cannot hope to comprehend. Science refuses to recognize them as fact, but Hollywood sees this as an easy cash grab. Now, join these three men as they venture into these attempts at success. You will witness the good, the bad, and the strange as you are now venturing into Cryptic Collectors. Welcome to Cryptic Collectors, the only show that gives you the answer what they truly say about men with big feet. I am William the Crooked Man Kerning. I am Ace Maroke. I am Sippy VA, and welcome to Cryptic Collectors. Yep, our um, this is uh, going to be an interesting little project for the th- for the three of us to do. Yeah, so like Sippy said, welcome to Cryptic Collectors, and the idea for this show is very simple. The three of us here are going to be talking about different adaptations of famous or even lesser known urban legends as well as cryptids, and see if any are good, if any are bad, some are downright weird. And see if, well, they're worth talking about. So the main idea why all three of us decided to get together and do this is because um, all of us here are fellow um, cryptozoology fans. We love talking about that, urban legends, and just mysteries in general. So I guess to um, I guess to start us out here on our very first podcast. So Will, you of course being the host, um, I was. What was your first introduction to cryptozoology? Well, actually, I guess the biggest one would probably be everyone knows this one, Bigfoot, because my father, when we grew up, told me of his encounter with Bigfoot. Oh, really? At least his supposed encounter with Bigfoot. Okay, go on. I'm I'm interested in hearing this story. (laughs) So my father, he grew up in farmland, and when you grow up in farmland, you kind of recognize all the smells, right? You recognize what, what animals are there, you recognize what plants, things like that. Yeah, well, he well, he ran across something in the cornfield that smelled horrible, just just terrible, and he saw something moving around in the in the corn and ran ran off. Years later, he ran across a documentary that said that Bigfoot is well known for his smell, and he thought and he had two theories: either it was Bigfoot, or it was his neighbor who was a hairy, smelly man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, did he? Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Yeah. Now, so keep this in mind, kid. So keep this in mind, kids. You're going out in the woods hiking with your dad, and you say, "Dad, look, it's Bigfoot," and he's gonna say, "No, that's fucking Clyde from down the street again." <laughs> or wait a minute. Well, in this case, it'd be Denny Roth. <laughs> yeah. No one knows who that is, Ace. This is literally the first time people are getting introduced to us. Uh, but you uh, will soon, folks. The, Here's those... a bar of soap, you bipedal skunk. <laughs> for those of you who are curious, <laughs> go look up the R Productions. But now, but now my theory is almost every cryptid is someone's neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Mothman, just that one neighbor that likes hand gliding and wearing big red glasses. The Loch Ness Monster is really just a guy playing with his bath toy. Oh, wait. Oh, wow. That's a, that must be a giant bath toy. <laughs> or, or it's that old man from Gravity Falls. Every, oh, no. every town has a crazy old man. He gets eaten by the pterosaur. Uh, all right um i guess with um that side um so zippy how did you get your start well just like uh william said bigfoot again i was watching a documentary when i was a kid about uh bigfoot walking through the forest and i was just curious about like 
what if Bigfoot was real? And as a kid, I started thinking like, what if we go to the woods? Say, can we go see him? But I never got the chance to because, you know, uh, it was we in the middle of summer. You saw Strange saw the fate of Bigfoot. <laughs> no, mosquitoes. I hate mosquitoes. Oh, oh I hated yeah. mosquitoes as a kid. I'm, I'm a little more curious now. I, now that I've discover the existence of mosquito repellent. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second here. It took you like like that long to discover that there's such a thing as mosquito spray. I was a young boy, yes, but now that I'm a man, <sighs> the one challenge that is in my way is both money and time. I'm just trying to And the possibility if Bigfoot's real, he could be murdered by him. I don't know. I, I need That's to have true. this I, I have this thought in my head now. In your case, it'd be so. I gotta, th- I gotta remember this. You, when you went through puberty, you just suddenly realized, wait a minute, there's a spray for mosquitoes I could use. Yes, yeah. I've been using vinegar the entire time. Why the fuck would you yeah. use vinegar? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. When when Sebi was going through through puberty, he went to get deodorant. Right next to it was mosquito spray. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but I'm just imagining yeah. you like I'm just imagining you're like just like uh, Muriel from Courage the Cowardly, Cowardly Dog. Nope, not enough vinegar. <laughs> vinegar? It was vinegar. It's vinegar. It's like that one vine when you don't when you have just about enough vinegar and you gotta spend it all. You just use it as water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not alcohol. Water, right. It's vinegar. What? It's vinegar. Well, what about you, Ace? What was your first uh, it, uh, your first introduction to cryptids? Well, um, wait. No, he said, he said oh, me. Wait, yeah. I thought you were talking to, to uh, William or not, because I was like, wait, you already asked him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But in my, yeah, but in my case, um, it's kind of an inter- interesting story. So my exposure to cryptozoology actually started um, back in middle school. I was when his neighbors started acting weird on him. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course the neighbors are starting it. No, um, actually, it was a book of Ripley's Believe It or Not that actually got my interest, was actually oh. start. Ooh, yeah. I remember reading a book way back then. Um, I can't even remember the details, but I remember the cover was of this weird-looking octopus. I think it might have been a, a Dumbo octopus. Dumbo octopus. Yeah, it's um. I'll show you that later. But it's a very wait, 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 wait. Is that the octopus with a droopy face of sorts? Yes, yes, yes. I've seen that. Yeah, there is an artwork of that with like green water around it, and the book showed you um. It was it showed a lot of classic um horror stuff that showed like the difference between fiction and reality, like mummies, for example. But one particular image that always stuck in my head was the very classic image of the Loch Ness monster. And that'll do it. <laughs> that that as well as the original shot of the original um footage of Bigfoot, um, there was a there was an image of that as well. So that in turn was my start to cryptozoology. And after that I just became obses- obsessed with it. I would go to the go on my computer at when I got home from school and just look up anything I could find on these uh weird creatures that may be real or not. And, or your neighbors, you don't know. Oh, yes, and my neighbors. And <laughs> interestingly enough, that's when I started getting into a lot of shows like Lost Tapes, Monster Quests. Like if you're if you're a millennial, if you're a millennial, you you know you know exactly what I'm talking about with those type of shows. Right. And 
it was a very interesting experience of um, growing up with that. And I think for me, one of the things I've always appreciated about cryptozoology is just the sense of mystery and I don't want to get a little hokey here, but magic even, that there's still some things around the world that, you know, we don't know is real or not, and it just fuels our imaginations. And in many ways, that's why I've often regarded um, cryptozoology as almost like a modern, um, almost like a modern myth in many ways, because Mm -hmm. we can't, because like a lot of people back then, who would revere these beings as otherworldly in whatever region you live in. For us, we do the same thing with cryptids. We always are very curious on if these things exist or not. Like, um, who knows if there's a giant plesiosaur living in the bottom of Loch Ness? Who knows if there's a hairy man or a long-lost primate that is existing out in the woods back there? And we know there's a hairy man. I specified he might have been my father's neighbor. How many times do I have to tell you this? I, and I and I tell you that he's possibly Denny Roth, since I'm able to get pictures with him every single time when he's roaming around in the woods. You can ask him yourself, there, fucker. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I have a very great experience when it comes to that, and I've always been a fan of it. It's inspired me with a lot of um, storytelling and ideas that I've had for future projects. And, yeah, I just always love and enjoy watching any new um, cryptid or urban legend-based adaptations that I can find. Which would go for today's story, because speaking of uh, Bigfoot, today we are going to be looking at one of the well-known Sasquatches around the United States. That being the classic 1971 film, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Which is an adaptation of the of the more underrated and lesser known of the Sasquatch species, the Falk Monster. Well, as many people call him, the motherfucker. <laughs> yes, always. You know, there was actually one thing from the movie that really caught my attention. Yeah. And there was uh, this one line that the narrator says. He says, now us Falk boys didn't know this at the time. I'm like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I kept that I hear that right. I the whole film. That was a great line. <laughs> I remember we we were making fun. I remember me and Will were making fun of that, and it just and it just got to that line. It's like, well, um, that's the kind of sex I didn't expect you guys to have. <laughs> but, yeah, but before we go on to actual review, off guard. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, you got my attention. <laughs> Yeah, but before we go into the actual review, I will say, out of all the cryptids, Bigfoot's definitely the more realistic, in my opinion, because every country has one. Yeah, it, there's every country, there's, every state in America, almost everyone, almost you can find a almost anywhere you go, you gotta find a Bigfoot. Yeah, and additionally, too, what I think is just more interesting about Bigfoot is just how grounded of a concept he is. It's not something that may or may not come from outer space or anything like that. It's just a natural creature that could have existed, that can exist, and we just haven't found it yet. I mean, God sakes, how many problems that we have trying to find new life in the sea? So, God yeah. forbid, in our own lands, like, there's always something out there. And yeah, Actually, mm-hmm. one I did want to bring up that was a very interesting one, in my opinion, was the Vietnam rock apes, if you guys heard of this one. Yes, you the told Vietnam me this story. What? Yeah, Vietnam rock apes. So, Apparently, in the, during the Vietnam War, there was pretty much a three-way war go, going on between America, Vietnam, and the, and the creatures of the forest that were called rock apes by the U.S. Ooh. They were pretty much 
fighting off the armies using rocks and sometimes grenades if they get their hands on them. <laughs> God, that needs to be a movie so badly. Done by yeah, Soma. Like, not a movie. Yeah, because my dad, movies. he as during time, my father and my uncle were actually drafted into v- Vietnam, and they've actually heard of this story. My father, he never he. He was in the Air Force, so he and he never actually went to Vietnam. But my uncle did. I really should have asked me as before we started if he's heard anything about that. Maybe should that have would been really interesting. There. Maybe you should have asked him if he actually experienced the apes. He just saw them like yeah. jumping around with gr- throwing grenades at our soldiers. Yeah. Well, when it comes to my uncle, he kind of over ever over exaggerates every story he tells to a point. You're like, okay, this is fascinating, but I know you're lying your ass off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm just imagining like when you finally ask him that question, he just goes into like this flat, like these flashbacks, and just talking about the apes, like just going crazy, <laughs> and you're just like sitting like on the floor, on the floor, just like amazed at what you're seeing. Look, look, I, look, I like the lovemaking scene with you and Scarlett Johansson, but I don't think that happened. <laughs> and he sounds he sounds like a lot of he sounds like a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> he really is. But there, another thing I didn't want to say is people always ask if big if a giant hairy creature exists in the woods, how do we have we not found him yet? Well, obviously, it's because we call him Bigfoot. That has a as an issue with his body that he's clearly self conscious about, and we named it after him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you, you know what they have... say about guys with big feet. Yeah, he's it, probably it, embarrassed exactly. about that too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, just but just imagine, you know, he was it, Big, Bigfoot was telling, him, let's say, his grandfather. He's like, Grandpa, I'm going to show you the humans are kind. He goes out there, and the first thing he hears. Fucking hell, look at that hairy big-footed son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then Bigfoot runs back crying. His grandfather goes to confront people and insult, insult his grandson. And then he goes, holy fuck, it's another hairy big-footed son of a bitch. This one's fat. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm imagining, I'm imagining like a similar sequence like when it comes to like going up the Himalayas. is oh my god, it's a big hairy white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Rowdy Bigfoot just doesn't want to deal with us because we're kind of assholes to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I. That's what I was feeling about uh, Bigfoot. Honestly, the reason why he doesn't come out so much is because the first thing we do is either insult him or fire on him. Yeah, we try to kill. Yeah, we try to kill the poor bastard. But it's <laughs> it's funny that we bring that up though because that actually brings up something interesting about the uh, Falk monster. And that being that, technically, a lot of um, a lot of the encounters that people have had with him were, you know, almost dangerous at one point. Now, another as another interesting fact is there's a lot of similarities between the Falk monster and Momo, the Missouri monster. Yes, and um, Momo has a very um, now, admittedly, you know, hearing about the uh, Momo case, that's. Um, a little bit, it is a little bit less um, intense in that situation, uh, given that no, even that Momo never really tried to like hunt, you know, try to like go into somebody's house at that point. But Momo, but they do have very similar encounters when it comes to how close they were to humankind at that point. And what's interesting too about the Falk monster is that actually before the 1970s, there were some encounters prior to that. Doing a little bit of research on this, I actually discovered that in 1851 and 1856, 
there were sightings of a large hairy creature circling around the Memphis area. Even then, there were some encounters that even go a little bit more ahead of that, like there were some occasions in 1955 and even in 1946. But it really didn't hit mainstream until the well-known Ford encounter in May 2nd, 1971. What happened is that the family encountered a creature, what initially thought was to be a bear, but then that's when they realized it was something more than what they anticipated. They fired at the creature, but there was no trace of blood found. And additionally, there was a three-toed footprint found close to their house and scratch marks on the, on the porch and damage at the window in the house sidings. Now, before the gunfire, he did, the, he did have mo- five toes like, normal, like a normal creature would. Yeah, yeah. And then they shot him oh. off, and that's why he got pissed. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he probably was coming in there being like, hello, I'd like to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, the Yeti. <laughs> and then that's, and they're like, get out of here, you damn preacher. <laughs> Jokes aside, though, it is a very, very eerie thought to consider that something like that, so mysterious and yet so powerful, could be right at your doorstep. That's how I feel whenever the mailman comes to the door. <laughs> But it is a very interesting thought, though, because that's one of the things I've always found interesting about the Falk Monster is that something like this is not afraid to go basically right up to our neck of the woods and not be afraid to face us head on. Maybe this one is lonely. Maybe it wants to find that connection with society, but it can't because everybody who meets it is either scared to death or (laughs) wants to kill it. That's possible. It's the thing that it's eldritch in nature. Yeah. It, that's to a, other people yeah that's a very good possibility like it could be a creature that's trying to find you know um kind like itself but every single time it tries to it just doesn't turn out well and there is a great amount of tragedy to that that's one of the reasons why i've always considered uh you know sasquatch to be so interesting is because technically speaking they are of our gene of our genes considering that they're supposedly primates and we right. come from that same brand. Now, whether or not whether or not that brand, um, how different that brand, you know, that uh, branch of the genetics tree is, is a different story. But it does raise up an int- a lot of interesting questions about how these creatures function, act, and how much they would, pr- how much they probably would want to be with kinds like them. Now, this is where we get into. This is where we also get into a little director by the name of Charles B. Pierce. What's interesting about Pierce is that he didn't really start out like a lot of other filmmakers did. He was actually an advertising salesman who, hearing about the stories of the Falk Monster at the time, convinced a local truck company to invest in a film and hired locals, uh, mainly high school students, to make a film of about $1,600,000 and to basically capitalize on it. Interestingly, too, because um, it only would have been roughly, yeah, roughly less than a year since the original Ford Incident story and then the release of Legend of Boggy Creek, which was released on August 23rd, 1972. Mm-hmm. And don't forget its successful sequel, which was so famous, it appeared on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, yeah, of course, of course. The best sequel. <laughs> the best sequel. 10 out of 10. Best sequel. Although, although in interviews, Charles B. Pierce actually has mentioned talking about that movie and how much he hated working on it. <laughs> but um, you know, um, mm-hmm. going back to what you said about um, 
actually, I'll get back to that on that. But it does seem like um, this one particular guy, in fact, was the town that dreaded sundown like uh, released before or after Boggy Creek? It was released after um, Boggy Creek, and yeah. Oh no, it, kidding! So this guy actually uh, made the first one, I guess. Yeah. And maybe Texarkana wanted to do something uh, similar, yes, more realistic. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, and in fact, um, after he finished uh, making the Legend of Boggy Creek. His next uh, film was The Town That Dreaded Sundown. He oh, was... so it's the same guy. Oh, yeah, okay. same director. Okay, that makes sense. I remember, Ace, you told me it's very similar to, to that film when you first brought it up to me. Yeah, so much like um, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and and, and we'll uh, transition now into talking about the film, Boggy Creek has a very, very documentary-esque feel to it. While it is still very fictional in nature, the way it approaches its storytelling is very much like a documentary. A lot of actually, uh, it feels a lot like a uh, PBS documentary. If yeah. you guys remember those, I yeah, I would th- I would think a PBS documentary and a little bit of in search of with with Leonard Nimoy. The difference is that Town of the Dreaded Sundown was a little bit more. I wouldn't say um, fictional in that sense. It was a lot more cinematic in its execution. Whereas Boggy Creek feels much more like a documentary. And one of the things I've always, one of the biggest positives that I personally have about Boggy Creek is that I really like the atmosphere. It feels very much like this down to earth, very isolated world where just anything could happen at any moment. It's a whole new world, different from our own. And it's kind of like a town in the middle of nowhere, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've. I've been to a small village before. My fiance is actually from a small village, Hickory. Hmm. And I can definitely see like the appeal and definitely like how it's similar. I can kind of get that uh, feel of being isolated and having its own, I guess, local lore to it. The spooky fucking town. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Spooky fucking town. The spooky fucking town. And um similar and similar to that um Sippy, um i actually you know growing up in Staten Island, new york uh, my community isn't exactly a big one either mm-hmm. and you know you know given how small a community is the more mystery and the more intrigue that could come around for places like that like and, cropsy yeah exactly like cropsy our own little um our own version of the boogeyman if you will that's one of the things I've always really liked about Legend of Boggy Creek. And also, I like that it tells all of the different stories that were known about the Falk Monster at the time. I like that it's not just the uh, the famous Ford incident. That's actually the high, That's actually at the end of the movie. That's the climax. Yeah, that's, that's the climax. But the rest of it was all the other encounters that people had with the Falk Monster. Additionally, what I like is that he doesn't get actors to film a lot of these he actually uses real people to discuss about the history of the falk monster and talk about their stories which i find very fascinating and that's what i figured yeah and it really emphasizes the documentary feel of it and the only parts of it that are really just uh fictional and lean more into that horror side of things is the reenactments and even then i feel a lot of them are very are done very well i like that the falk monster himself is or itself in this case um is basically just covered up in shadows like all we see yeah. is just his fur it's just his uh hairy silhouette throughout yeah the all the, the, mystery, big foot. the eldritch um fear of the unknown of what it could actually be exactly 
You have all the Bigfoot movies and stuff I've seen. This one has actually made Bigfoot a creepy creature, not just a rampaging monster. He actually has a presence. Right. And initially, what I like about how they depict him here, too, is that, as you said, they depict him as mystery, but not as this killer. It's just more of this interesting um, animalistic fascination. And because throughout the entire movie, like, it doesn't, like, just go up and try to kill someone like any other fictional. Unless you're a dog. Yeah, unless you're a dog. And then again, it's assault on animals that may well be its primal instinct to survive, to get whatever food it comes across. And animals or local farmland, I mean, farmland animals like pigs or cows or even dogs, for that matter, may be just sustainable um, food to him. He doesn't know that these, um, these are pets, you know? Yeah, I had to ask. Do you guys did you guys kind of laugh when they reenactment the uh, the monster attacking dogs? Because it just looked like a guy in a hairy suit playing with dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I mean, at least it didn't end as bad as like say a JoJo villain would probably do it. No, oh, no, God. no, 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 not even. Do not even. Yeah, that one where he picked up the dog from behind and was spinning him around. I couldn't help but say, "Come here, Mister Snookums. <laughs> Hug me, damn it." <laughs> But um, to go actually to go with your point, Sippy, it also could be um a case of um defending itself because you know in some of those stories we don't know if the dog yeah. attacked it first. Yeah. Now the now the dog thing that's also enough similar similarity to Momo because that was one of the most notable victims of the monster during the M- Momo Missouri thing. Yeah, the old story where her you know where a woman by the name of Do- uh, Doris uh, found her um, younger brother screaming and they and she looked outside and saw the creature holding a deceased dog in its hands. Yeah, oh, another similarity I should, I, that technically isn't true is the fact that Momo supposedly had three toes. The documentary by Small Town Monsters, the M- Momo the Missouri Monster, they they actually interviewed a girl who said when she was younger, she made a fake footprint of Momo, which had three toes, and people believed it. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm mentioning this, um, Fuck Monster has also been known to have uh, three toes, and there is um, photographic images that prove such, of people yeah. uh, cementing that, and... As of yet, that has not been proven to be distrue. So yeah, I also like the musical numbers in this. I was not expecting that. Yeah, like a lot of uh, musicals. Now the score itself was done by Jamie Mendoza Nava, who um, did a pretty good job with this movie. He's actually done um, quite a bit of um, horror films um, over the years. Like I, with ba- Boggy Creek is probably his, and uh, Town of Dread Sundown are probably his most well-known works, but. He's also done some other um, horror films. Um, one other one that I know of was a supernatural horror film called the Bro- called the Brotherhood of Satan, which was a Colombian pictures film. It also should have been the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Well, that'll be a few. That'll be for future occasions, my friend. <laughs> but. Uh, but no, the score is really good. Um, now, if I were to also, because speaking of musical numbers, there is one. There are a couple of issues that um, that I personally have with the movie. While I do like the film, uh, there are some issues that I do think really hold it back from being as great as I would have liked it. You know, enjoyed it as. One of them is the really weird country vocal numbers that we get throughout the film. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, I get what they're for. They're they're there to add to the 
Arkansas feel to it to really give it that you know country feel to it but it, the problem is is that they don't really stick well with the mood of the film but you see like you said um the the director he was um he did advertisements right so yeah. what if he was also trying to, at the same time to advertise Ar- Arkansas as well like to advertise uh itself maybe it could get more um publicity maybe it could get more tourists to actually come and see the monster for himself or perhaps even the local culture of Falk itself so yeah actually now i'm, I'm curious if this movie actually drew some attention to them actually yeah exactly and mm-hmm. i've actually read that it gained a lot of good uh critical reception so yes, i'm true. thinking like adding these songs as well as some uh visual fan service of fuck just shows what kind of country you'd be going into and maybe it's best to see it for yourself both the music the sounds the the wildlife it's the all there and you're just advertising it because it's their home it's yeah um that's, that's it's true. more than just the monster yeah. It's the local uh, legend and lore of the entire city of Falk. Yeah. So the whole um, area of Falk is its character itself. And additionally, um, it's, fun- it's funny we- you talk about the reception of the movie because it was critically well-received at the time. And additionally, it made a lot at the box office. As I mentioned, the movie only had a $1,600,000 budget, but it made $20 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. That that's impressive for a film in 1972. In that sense, I can see um, that with the musical numbers, it is, um, or not the musical numbers, but the vocal vocal numbers in this case. Yeah, I do think that. Well, I can definitely respect just trying to further emphasize the land of folk Arkansas. I just wish that perhaps they have gone with some uh, bands to, that would have fit the tone of the film a lot more while still keeping with their intention. Yeah, but it's, like you said, it was his first time going into uh, directing, so. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, like, it's a bit of, like, it's a bit of slack I can give, you know, for you know for his first time directing it. However. I'd say one, it's a good attempt, honestly. I think so, too. It is very well directed. I love a lot of the shots. Like, filming likewise, it looks fantastic. Yeah, and they get a lot of good shots, which also kind of leads to a uh, big complaint of mine. But Ace, you go ahead. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring up the same complaint that you have. Uh, that you have. If there is one big issue we could talk about the movie is the pacing. And yeah, the it, pacing can be a little slow. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I normally like um, slow-paced uh, movies, mm-hmm. especially monster movies, because a lot of those can work really well. Here's the problem when it comes to how Boggy Creek does it. There's a lot of establishing shots throughout the film, which at first I think work amazingly, but the more you keep going with those shots, the more you drone down the pace, and it just becomes more and more of a chore to sit through. Yeah, yeah I actually remember like when we were, were watching the atmosphere. I actually remember when we were watching Ace and I even said, Can we skip a little bit? So yeah, <laughs> I remember. We actually um almost tried to skip some parts of it. And any single time that we just like had just people doing nothing or just like shots of the woods or the swamps, like we were just like, let's just let's just keep going. No one no one cares about this. No one cares. Get to the good <laughs> shit. I wanna see some monsters. It's like it's like this is stupid. I wanna see some Bigfoot. 
You already gave us a musical number and some and some shots of the wood. <laughs> yeah, musical. Oh my god, can you guys imagine the Legend of Boggy Creek the musical? Oh my god. Hey, look, if I can think of the idea for a Roman musical, I think a, I think a fuck monster musical could work. A fucking <laughs> good musical. <laughs> I like it. All it's right. a fucking good time. Oh, oh, you know what? I know something that you'd have to do with it. Okay. Listen, okay, hear me out, guys. I'm hearing so, you. So, we officially put... Okay, one. We officially put it on Broadway. The composer is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, no! Why? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm getting... Oh, no. It gets better. It gets better. Much okay. better. Now, then you get Michael Crawford as the as the fuck <laughs> monster. <laughs> and there Does you go. And there you go. We have Legend of Boggy Creek the musical. It'll make millions of the box office, I tell you. <laughs> It'll make fucking millions. It'll make fucking millions. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about millions, Jack. Fucking millions. <laughs> fucking millions. <laughs> but yeah, um, but to go back, like that is, I think, the biggest issue with the film is most definitely the pacing. And it's not like this couldn't be a film that could have been able to cut some of it out. Because the film is only roughly two hours. He didn't need to Zack Snyder it. He didn't need to make it that long. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. It's a film that's not even two hours, and it feels a lot longer than it really should. Yeah. Oh, I did have to bring up one scene that truly made me laugh. Not not the fuck boys. That, oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. No, I like the one scene where the guy was sitting on the toilet, and then the fog monster bust his hand through the glass. And when the guy was running out, he was wearing like over, he was wearing like yeah, the whole yeah, that, 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 yeah, that was the Ford incident. That was the Ford incident reenactment. <laughs> yeah, but he, I was like, how was he pooping though? His pants were. He didn't have his pants down. Well, maybe he was getting ready to, or he was just like, just no, like he was sitting down, and what he was wearing was a full body, uh, was a full body underclothing. It was pajamas. Okay, well, in that case, was it one of those things where like the seat was like open, like it's like one of those? Yeah, no, no, nope, didn't have, nope, didn't. I didn't. I don't think he had a butt flap. If he did, it was, it was, it wasn't, it was still closed. And I can't imagine he, he was, he was not enough in a panic to be like, oh man, I don't want my ass showing. So That'd be weird. <laughs> So then, wait, wait, wait. So then, in that case, like, uh, was he just like in there to get some time for himself? Like, was he just reading and just enjoying? Well, he didn't have a phone, so I don't know what he was doing in there. Yeah, I don't. I want to know either. Before but cell phones, you couldn't do much in the toilet. Yeah, because then all of a sudden the hand just comes out. And he's like, "Oh shit, it's a hairy hand." <laughs> I mean, I, I'd imagine though that if that happened, I would be scared shitless, like literally, if I was on the toilet. Yeah, that would help my oh, bowel movement. I thank God that happened while I was constipated. I needed that. <laughs> thank yeah. you, good sir. Thank you, giant hairy man who <laughs> may or may not be my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, the, actually, to bring it up, there was also one really weird moment um, that me, me and Will were watching about this one. Do you remember, like, the scene where, like, the hunters were trying to find the ape and they got the best dogs they could get? Yeah. They got the famous dogs. The famous dogs. And they were a couple of Danes. And they didn't yeah, find I was, shit. I was very upset because we said famous dogs. I was hoping for like Scooby Doo, Marmaduke, Brian Griffin's there, <laughs> Hong Kong Fooey. That would have been awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> but again, it all bring comes back to the smell. It must smell like horrible. And dogs, their senses are pretty heightened. So I'm just assuming that. Oh no, yeah. no, no! I don't want to get ne near that smell. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's not even like the dogs fall because they did because they went down the one trail. They didn't go through the woods to try to find it. Yeah, and the fuck monster is known to have a terrible odor, like as a combination of a skunk and a wet dog. So the fact that they couldn't smell that is, un I'm sorry for me, that's too unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a little um. That was that's where my suspension of disbelief like um couldn't kick in at that point. Which is sad because this like, is what if it was somebody in a fursuit all along and they just he just bribed him to say, Okay, I, I know you caught me, but listen, I'll pay you whatever you want to just make shit up. So then that your dogs sense. didn't find anything. I wonder that's how that's how Denny Roth gets out of his situations then. Pretty much, probably. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm gonna ask him that next time after we have this chat. <laughs> that seems like an appropriate question to ask. Yes, always. <laughs> Um, Let me know what he says. Yeah. But I'm curious, though, to ask you guys, like, what would be, like, your favorite moment of this movie? Um, well, I did like the Matt Murdock cameo at the end there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, the blind guy. <laughs> I said, I don't know why he decided to be the hell, the devil of hell's half acres, but whatever. <laughs> this was his early years. Let him give him some slack. He was still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so he tried the bull bullshit in New York and figured it'd be easier just to do it here. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I would have to say the Ford incident was my favorite, as slow paced as it was, because yeah, that was agree. that was the most action that I could get out of the film. The Ford incident was definitely a highlight. I love the way it's shot, the way it's paced. Um, it you could definitely get the sense of that horror, the horror film feel to it at that point. The only other the only other scene that I um like for the film was actually the uh, farmer story. Where he was carrying off two of his um, hundred pound hogs, and then there was that where he saw the beast himself. What I like about that is just like the unpredictability of situations like that. When like just something as random as like when you're picking up um, pigs, like and carrying them onto your truck, and then all of a sudden this beast just like shows out of nowhere. Like that's very cryptozoology. Yes, that that's something I'd expect to hear stories like that. Yeah. And then there was also that one story about that one girl who looked out the window when she was trying to close the keep the draft out and she sees the monster and yeah. next thing you know the cat is die has died due to shock. Yeah, that was a creepy-ish. That was a creepy moment. That's uh, when I thought, "Oh, this thing must be eldritch in nature." Yeah. And now I feel bad for him cuz now cuz now now cuz clearly we make fun of him as far as feet look, but now he's so ugly a cat died because of it. <laughs> yeah that poor cat died right then and there from shock yeah now another thing i did want to bring up is the uh the attack at the end that's another similarity between him and momo except at the except at the end the had the whole town was supposedly chased momo into the woods and the family saw a ufo over their house when this happened oh yeah so you think momo is actually an alien yeah that's that's the big theory yeah momo's story yeah is really creepy because unlike the fog monster who people still claim to see, Momo really only lasted one week. Momo was very short-lived. Actually, a good comparison I could think of him to, or it to in this case, would be the Dover Demon 
where the people Dover hold... Demon. Yes. Okay. So the Dover Demons. Uh, I'll, <laughs> it's. Uh, I'll try to go quick into it because we could probably save that for another occasion. It was a small, weird, alien-looking creature that was known in Dover, Massachusetts, but it was only sighted for just two days, both on April twenty-first and twenty-seven in nineteen. Um, sorry, April twentieth and twenty-first of nineteen seventy-seven, and very much like Momo, just in a short period of time, and just all of a sudden gone, never seen again. And no one knows when it's going to be seen, if seen again, or if it ever was there to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, continuing back with the with the uh, Ford incident scene in the comparison, it also just goes again, like, just how, how grounded and basic the, uh, the fuck monster is. Because all it did was just uh, leave its footprints and some scratches, which in my opinion is honestly a lot scarier than something like, say, Momo. Well, yeah. Just like when I used the bathroom out of friend's house. Wait, wait. <laughs> God damn it! You both were speaking at the same time. <laughs> William, you go first. Just like when, I, just like when I used the bathroom at a friend's house. <laughs> I was just saying, like an intern from outer space. <laughs> but yours is better. <laughs> I'd say in my case, it would be like the it would be like the uh, remains that we that people have when they watch the new Velma series. Oh my god. <laughs> that's scarier than this movie. <laughs> no, that's no, that's um no. Whereas the fuck monster is like El is Eldridge, that is straight up Lovecraft. <laughs> and even then I'm insulting Lovecraft. Same when you look at it. It drives you same when you look at it. To compare that to Lovecraft. Even if <laughs> We know Lovecraft is that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, both the Velma series and Lovecraft were horribly racist. Very true. <laughs> but we still talk about Lovecraft's work. This we will never Velma talk about is a again. stigmata on the Scooby Doo franchise. Yes, it is. But but to uh get away from that little joke. Yeah. It is interesting also um noting that this film actually has a very interesting legacy, as Will brought up earlier, when it comes to sequels. Because technically, there is actually an unofficial sequel six years after the original was released. The Fog Monster Musical. No, unfortunately, no. It was a film called The Return of Boggy Creek, and this one was a straight-up adventure horror film. Oh. Jo uh, Charles B. Pierce had nothing to do with this movie. In fact, a lot of the people who originally worked on this film had nothing to do with it. Wasn't even um, the same company, for that matter. I've never seen it, but from what I've heard, it is pretty much garbage and just not really something worth your time. There was the unofficial sequel, and then there was the official sequel, which Mystery Science Seer 3000 Rift, Charles P. Pierce worked on, and he's considered to be the worst movie that he's ever done. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah. And also, it's um, interesting, too, is that there was actually another film released in 2011 just simply called Boggy Creek. And this one was a straight-up horror film and is unrelated to The Legend of Boggy Creek. That one was the movie pretty much that we were criticizing for and that it's just about Bigfoot just terrorizing people. God damn it, Denny. <laughs> he just, like, went around and be like, how dare you not appreciate my artwork? <laughs> But at the same time, even though, like, with a lot of these uh, sequels and just unofficial films that 
well, quite frankly, no one's going to care about. It also shows, like, the impact that Boggy Creek had towards um, pop culture at that point. And in many sense, Boggy Creek can kind of be seen as the first mainstream introduction for everybody on the subject of cryptozoology. And you know what's weird? I I actually kind of compare him, I kind of compare the director to Kevin Smith since he started out very similar. Yes, um, Pierce, you know, in many ways, um, Pierce was one of the originators of independent DIY-style filmmaking, where he just decided to one day, um, with, you know, with a trend going on, why not capitalize it and just make a, make a film based on it? He just uh, worked with his resources, maxed out as much money as he could, and made a film. And it got very successful. Bringing up um, impact and legacy of Boggy Creek, in many ways, without this film, we probably wouldn't have, like, um, as remotely any, like, um, adaptations of cryptids or urban legends, for that matter. I mean, there have been some films, of course, beforehand, mind you. There always will be. But Boggy Creek was really the one that started the trend. Mm-hmm. and really made it, like, something that is marketable and is something worth showing on the silver screen for people to be curious on. Yeah, I guess you could also say it inspired like mockumentaries and found footage films as well. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, especially one particular film which was heavily inspired by, and that of course being the Blair Witch Project. Boom! <laughs> God damn, I'm the only one here who definitely who appreciates that original film. But <laughs> a little funny story: um, the two directors of that film, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. They were huge fans of stuff like In Search Of and Boggy Creek. And they attempted a very similar style with Blair Witch Project, but to a much more supernatural and much more horror-esque twist to it. And, you know, that film led to, you know, the found footage genre that we know of today. So Boggy Creek is very, you know, very inspirational for a lot of people. It deserves a place in cinema because of it. You know, I guess like to kind of wrap things up uh, here, since um, we made a pretty good time with this. I think Legend of Boggy Creek is a very good film, but it's a film I respect more than I necessarily love. I do think it has its fair share of issues, but I think it's definitely worth your time, especially if you're a cinephile. And especially if you're a lover of cryptozoology, if you are, yeah, I don't want to know what a cinephile is. That sounds gross. That is a um, <laughs> uh, that's an that is a that is a unofficial term of film lovers. Uh huh. You see. pervert. <laughs> don't ask. Don't don't give me that. Ask Yoko Higuchi about that. <laughs> but um, but I would say though, if you're a fan of film and the subject of urban legend of cryptozoology, this is a must. I would recommend watching it with a friend to make it a little better. Yeah, just to have a couple laughs at a few points, like the part with the fuck boys. Yes. <laughs> God, he's but yeah, I, I have to agree with Ace on this one because I feel like this movie, like the town that dreaded sundown is the Texarkana, is like a tribute movie to the lore of Fock itself. So like I, like he like I said I really respect it more than I love it. It's definitely something that should be at least watched and admired, but not for the sake of horror movies. But if you want to know, find out more about a town's culture, basically. I definitely give it three toes out of five. 
Not just for a joke, because that's... <laughs> Is that our official rating for this movie? It's three toes out of five? Well, yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I figured we'd just make up different ratings as we go with each movie. All right, fine. Then I give it three and a half toes out of five. Okay, I'll oh, give it three months. and a couple quarters out of five. <laughs> oh, man, that bullet must have done some damage to his feet. Dear God. How is he standing? <laughs> you started How does a week and did you three toes? That's what I want to know. It's it's probably impossible. I mean, if you cut off your um your big toe and your small toe, would you be able to stand? But that depends, though. Would it be the big toe and little toe that got cut off in that sense? What if it's one of the middle ones? But even so, you need all your toes to maintain balance in some way. Remember, this is a primate. They can handle that a little bit differently than we do. I mean, unless you take out your index toe and your ring toe, then maybe, yes, then I, that yeah, would uh, be believable. So see, there you yeah. go. So then end of story, end of discussion. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I just <laughs> needed you guys to clarify yeah. for me. Also, how do you know he didn't fake the three-toed footprints? The now, how do you know he didn't wear shoes over his feet that had three toes? They really throw us off. So, so wait, wait, wait. Are you suggesting then that he, like, um... That the fuck monster himself, before he attacked people, he just like put on like these weird like little mitt like mitten socks that just have three toes in there just to fuck with people. It's a calling uh, card. Yes. No, no, Ace to fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> you don't call it the fuck monster for nothing. <laughs> You'll fuck with me. I fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, somebody. Okay, somebody out there who's listening to this podcast for the first time, especially if you're an artist, do us a favor. Watch you to draw an image of the fuck monster, but like with like three toed like uh mit what mitten socks. <laughs> yeah, this will get him. <laughs> <laughs> and just like he's just got to be screaming up, just be screaming, screaming out, "I'll fuck with all of you." <laughs> and see if you can throw in that Irish accent in there as well. <laughs> Wait, is the fuck monster actually Irish? Apparently he's Shrek. <laughs> what are you doing oh, in my wait, creek? Wait, wait, I just saw something. Okay, hold on. You guys remember like the uh the scene where like um the mother like and her kids like uh encounter the monster like on the you know in front of their house, like in the middle of the movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now imagine this. That's happening. All of a sudden you hear, somebody once told me the world is <laughs> That's it. The Vogue Monster is Shrek all along. They cut away from the, sm- from the quiet, from the quiet, calm country music to that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 That would oh. be perfect. And then when he, and then, hey, okay. And then when he, cu- and then when he breaks through the window, breaks through the window at the, at the end, um, at the Ford house, he just goes, this is my swamp now. <laughs> it's almost ogre. Fuck his love. Fuck his life. <laughs> you, know, you know, it just reminded me, um, there's actually a fan made film of fiona as a horror movie villain oh wait i've seen i thought thought that was she-hulk i've seen that i've seen that i know exactly what you're talking about wasn't that (laughs) she-hulk i guess (laughs) i can't tell the difference though (laughs) 
Okay, now you know what. Now what I gotta do now is um, since I have the um, I have a copy, a digital copy of Boggy Creek. I'm just gonna like put a compilation of just all the scenes of the Falk Monster, but with the Shrek music. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's just like the the final song at the end will will just be like um after like they they think they're they got the creature away you just hear then I saw her face now I'm a believer yeah, ooh, even better <laughs> during the trace. final fi- during the final fight you pl- play holding out for a hero from Shrek two ah. or maybe even just have a little cut in of Shrek just like roaring <laughs> like he did to the villagers in the first part of the movie oh. <laughs> I don't know. Better yet, it's going to be like in Shrek 2 where he's like, I'm an ogre! He just roars at the dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, this is fucking ridiculous. Or just, like, have voice clips of Shrek himself when the monster is attacking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. God, we basically God, I, I, now we have this. Oh have, God, that means when the monster is sh- shaking the dog around, hugging, he's like his wee little boots. <laughs> oh, no, oh no, no, no! He's like donkey, donkey. <laughs> oh God, now I got some. Now I got some editing to do. God damn it! <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, you were expecting Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> oh god imagine he says that in front of the boy <laughs> oh god but with that with that hilarity aside i think we can at least all agree here that this is a good movie to watch though if not at least oh, yeah. watch it with friends yeah i agree all right, then with that said, um, I think that's um that'd be a wrap. Yeah, yeah I think I so. Really this. So for everyone watching, um stay tuned for next time because our next because our next adaptation will be moving into a little familiar territory of Japan with a certain slit mouth woman. And for and before you ask if she's pretty, don't ask. That's that from what I've seen, that's a bad thing doing. Yeah, you don't want to know. But please don't ask. Please don't. Don't answer her. Don't answer her. But with that being said, though, thank you all for joining us for Cryptic Collectors. I am Ace Maroke. Dan. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to. Okay. Uh, my name is Sippy VA. <laughs> and I have been William the Crooked Man Kearney, and this has been From the Woods to Hollywood, Cryptic Collectors.